Well, good evening and happy Father's Day. I echo what Pastor Robin just said to all the fathers. What an important role that you play. And uh, so happy Father's Day. Well, um, a couple of people asked me uh, this week, earlier this week, when they heard I was preaching, so are you going to be preaching about fathers? And the answer is no, I'm not preaching about fathers, but I do have a message from the Father. And tonight, uh, I want to deliver that message, and I believe that at least some part of it will speak to you, and you will be able to relate with it. So before we get started, though, I wanted to pray. So let's just pray over this service and this message. God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. I know there is not an accident. Anybody's here. You, you brought them here tonight for this message that you want to speak over your kids. And I just pray, God, that you give me the words to say, that you would anoint me, that you would use me, that I would be your mouthpiece. And, God, that you would just organize my thoughts, uh, this message today. I talk, God, may all of it point people to you. And we just give you this message tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight I've called my message The Middle. Okay, I've never preached a message called The Middle. But how many know if you have a beginning and you have an end, you have a middle in between. And so tonight we're going to talk about The Middle. What's The Middle like? What happens in The Middle? What's the purpose of The Middle? How are we supposed to feel in The Middle? And uh, I'm going to take you through some of stories in the Bible, stories from my own life, and uh, hopefully something will resonate with you, um, because what I've been finding, at least with the last two services, a lot of people are in the middle. So let's just uh, talk about beginnings and endings, just to kind of get your, get you, get the ground tilled for where we're going. So you think about a baby's conceived, the beginning, and then a baby's born, but how many know between those two things, in the middle, a lot happens? A lot's developed. A lot goes on inside a mother's womb in the middle. Think about your first day of kindergarten, the beginning of your school years. And then I just had a son graduate from uh, high school. And so you, I think about where he started and where he ended and all that happened in the middle. How many know you're a little different from kindergarten to your senior year? Lots changed. You've learned a lot of, lot of lessons. You had some good years with teachers. You had some bad years. But we call that little zone the middle. I remember learning how to ride a bike and the beginning of that journey of getting on my bike and trying to ride it. And while I was in the middle... I fell down a lot, and I got back up, and then I fell down, and I got back up, and then finally, I learned how to ride a bike. Everybody say the middle. So tonight, we're talking about the middle, and the middle is what we're talking about is, how many of you have ever got a promise from God, a dream in your heart, or maybe somebody gave you a prophetic word where they felt like God was saying this about your life, and... That was the beginning of something, but it hasn't happened quite yet, and you're stuck in the middle, okay? So are, are you in the right place tonight, okay? <laughs> woo All right, so we're going to talk about the middle. One of the things I felt like the Father was saying to me as I was preparing is how to move forward with the promises of God on your life. How do we handle the middle? How do we steward the middle? And to let you know some of the things that happen in the middle so that you recognize you're not alone. This is normal. This is how the enemy works. And these are some of the temptations we can experience. So I'm going to start with breaking up the myth that there is no middle for anybody else. It's just me. How many of you have had the thought, because we live in a culture that everybody wants a drive-through breakthrough, everybody wants something microwave, instant, and that includes our destinies. We want it instantly. We want it now. We want this breakthrough now, 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 now. And I'm going to start in the Bible because some of our champions in the Bible, guess what? They had a middle, a long middle. So I'm just going to give you three. The first one can be found in 1 Samuel 16. And I won't go deep into the story, but simply say, in this story, Samuel was a prophet. 
God's prophet during that time in the Old Testament. And God told Samuel, I want you to go anoint the next king of Israel. And so he tells him he's, he's at Jesse's house. So he goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse has all these boys, and Samuel, and he brings them to Samuel, and, and Samuel says, nope, nope, nope. And if you know the story, nope, nope. And finally he's like, well, do you have anyone else? Do you have another son? And oh, yeah, well, there's one out there taking care of the sheep. We'll bring him in. So he brings him in, and Samuel says, yep, that's the one. That's the one. And so in that moment, I picture David just kind of kneeling down and Samuel with his anointing oil and just anointing him saying, God's chosen you to be king of Israel. That was the beginning for David. That was the beginning of that journey, of of that destiny word being spoken over him. We aren't going to go into his incredible story with all of its twists and turns, but I do want to point out this one detail. It wasn't until 22 years later that he became king. Everybody say the middle. Now, I just throw that fact out, but I want it to sink in. 22 years. You were told you're going to be king. I'm going to be king. And 22 years went by, and that's a long middle. Is he the only one in the Bible? No. The story of Abraham in Genesis 12, 2 through 3, God's pretty much telling um, Abraham, hey, I'm going to bless you and your wife and your descendants. They're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Nations will be birthed out of them. And he gets this huge promise, this huge destiny word. And there was one important piece of information you should know. He was 75 years old when he got that word with no kids. So that was a word that included the word descendants, and he's 75. So what do you think Abraham probably thought in that moment? Here's what I think he thought. Well, I'm 75. I do trust God. He's going to give me kids, so it's probably going to happen next week. My wife will be pregnant. Wouldn't you think if you were Abraham, you would think that? Oh, Bless God, I'm going to have to send. No, read your Bible. It says 25 years passed. Abraham turned 100. Everybody say the middle. I'm sure when he turned 76, 77, 78, 79, he probably was doubting possibly that word could ever come to pass. The beginning, the end, the middle. Joseph, who I will come back to by the end of the sermon, but I'll I'll just give you the outline of him before we dive into him later. Joseph was um, age 17, and he has two dreams. um, And basically, without going into the story, his two dreams indicate to him, and he realizes from them, their messages from God that, Basically, you're going to become this person of authority, whether it's royalty or what, but your family is going to end up bowing down to you. And here he is, 17. And he knew it. He's excited. He even tells his family, do you think they loved that news? No, they didn't love that news. In fact, if you go on to read the story, he gets thrown. They they sell him to, to slavery and really want to destroy him. And so we'll go into the story later, but this is the part I want to highlight at this stage, is that Joseph had that happen where God basically says, here's part of your destiny. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what I created you for. And it wasn't until 13 years later, when he's 30, that he actually is doing the prophecies being fulfilled, and his brothers are literally bowing down to him, and he's an authority over the whole land. 13 years. 25 years, 22 years. Everybody say the middle. So tonight, we're going to talk about the middle. It needs to be talked about. God wants to break paradigms off of you, the lenses you're looking at yourself through, the comparisons, the all these things that go on in the middle. Tonight, God wants you to know, like Jake said earlier, he's a good father. And he loves you. And the middle's not about you being in trouble. The middle's about you growing up. 
The middle's about you going from kindergarten to getting your graduation cap. And so we want to steward the middle well. And I want to tell you some of the traps, tell you my story, and just be vulnerable with my own destiny word and throw it out there. So this message was birthed. Um, we do a prayer retreat as a staff. Jordan has us go up to the mountains, and once a quarter, we'll go to the cabin and we'll pray. And it's amazing. It's my favorite thing we do as a staff. Love it. It's one of the lifebloods, I think, of our church because um, a healthy staff will trickle down to a healthy body. And so in this retreat, everyone we've done, it's like God will bring a theme, and then we'll sit back and watch it play out over the church. It's amazing. And then our pruning season was the first one, and then we watched Riverhouse go through pruning season. And then our next one, we learned about um, creating and not consuming uh, with culture, and then we watched it play out, and everyone was just good to create. Well, this one, in my opinion, was about identity. Who are you in Christ? What does God say over your life? And it's time to own it. Not just as individuals, but even as a river house. And so the second day in the evening, he warned us in the morning, that night I want you to come with some of the destiny words. Maybe you went to a conference and the speaker spoke this over you and didn't even know you. Or some impactful thing that has kind of been repeated over your life, but it's not really, may or may not be happening yet. But bring those spiritual mile marker moments, and I want you to share them with the group and tell us who you are. Well, I keep, unless you're my close friend, I keep those things close to my hand because they aren't manifesting right now. So it's real, I almost thought, oh, it sounds, I don't know, people will think the wrong thing or blah, 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 and I always wouldn't share it, and I wouldn't step into it. But he made us, and he led the way, and he shared these big words over his life and, and owned it and just declared it. And then he went and made us go around the horn and share who we are. And it was powerful. It stretched me to say, who I, what does God say about my life? And the reason it stretched me is because I had a beginning, but I'm in the middle. And this message is being preached from the middle. So I'm going to take you to my beginning of where God supernaturally revealed his plan and destiny for my life and my wife. And, and it's confirmed it several times, but I want to start at the beginning, and I don't, I've never, other than today, never shared this publicly, this story, because um, it was just a, almost a sacred moment. But when I uh, was a children's pastor in Indiana, we were in a Nazarene, pretty conservative church, and uh, But Kim and I were hungry for God. We wanted to grow in God, and we were seeking out teachings and, and all these different things where we could grow, 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 because we wanted more. And our church was great, but it wasn't, there was something more we wanted. And so we were hungry praying for God to put us, I don't even remember praying for a mentor. It just God helped somebody to come along that can take me on this journey. And at the end of church one Sunday, I was walking, the children's church was upstairs, and I was walking down the stairs, and I got in the hallway, and I remember right where I was, and I walked past the worship's pastor's mom was visiting Indiana from Oklahoma, and I knew her because um, she, you know, periodically visit her daughter, and uh, she passed me, and as soon as she saw me, I could tell, like, she had one of those deja vu moments where it was like, wait, what, wait, I, she, I could tell she was remembering something, and something was going on, and she just looked at me processing and then she stopped and she said oh, I just remember something when I saw you I've got to tell you this and I said what and she said last night I had a dream or a vision I don't even know what it was but you were in it and I said I was okay what was what was it she said well my sister and her husband is a pastor so this lady's sister and her husband are pastors in Indianapolis and we lived in Anderson she said, they, are, they go to this Bible study, and there's this guy. He's a powerful man of God. He's retired. He's traveled the world. He had a huge church back in the day. He used to be on TV. And she said, he has a little Bible study that God just brings people to. But she said, in the dream, you went to that Bible study. Then she looked at me. You're supposed to go to that Bible study. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, 
And so I, but she proceeded to tell me what she saw in the vision. She said, when you go, he's going to pray over you. And when he prays over you, and I had no understanding for any of this, so if you don't understand it, it's okay. <laughs> but she said, when, he, when you go, he's going to pray over you. And I saw his mantle to go to the nations. I forget what you call it, like a worldwide anointing or whatever it was. It doesn't matter. But she said, I saw his mantle fall off of him and onto you and your wife. And I said, okay, I'll go. Still didn't understand exactly what that meant. So we, she, I followed up with her. She connected me. We, we go to the Bible study of this man's house um, in Indianapolis. We don't know anybody there. It's a room full of strangers. And uh, we go, but we are hungry. I mean, no, you go somewhere when you're hungry. Honestly, I told the last service, like, if she would have said his Bible study was in Mexico, I would have been there. I was hungry. I wanted whatever God wanted to give me. And so we went there. We sat there. He taught on the anointing that night. And if you want more of the anointing and just the power of when the power of God moves through you, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, that was music to my ears. And it's like, yes, I want more. So I honestly could hardly wait for him to do the prayer time because I wanted to bolt out of my seat and say, pray over me. And it wasn't even just because of her dream. It was just like what he said resonated. And um, so he did call. If you're hungry for the anointing, anybody in here, just stand up and I'll pray over you. My wife and I, without hesitation, stood right up. And um, he looked at us and said, do you want the anointing? Do you want the anointing? Yes, sir. (laughs) He said, okay, grab her hand. I remember, it was just authority on his. He ended up being my mentor. Now he's in heaven, but he had such a power on him. He said, grab her hand. And I grabbed it, and he said, hold it up. And I held it up like, we want it, God. And uh, he, he just reached out his hand to pray over me and touched me like that. And when he touched my head, and I've never had this happen in my whole life before or after, when he touched my head, I felt like a lightning bolt shot me. And my wife and I shot back onto the floor, was laying there shaking, trembling, laughing, crying, and I'm more of an introvert stoic, so you can imagine me laying on the floor with people that I don't even know. And I was hysterical because my body could not even process what was going on inside it. It was overwhelming presence of God. As if that wasn't enough, a lady sitting in the circle who had no idea about the dream says, Pastor Don, Pastor Don, do you mind if I tell you what I saw? He says, oh, no. What did you see? She said, I saw when you laid your hands on them, and his wife's name was Ruth Ann, I saw you and Ruth Ann's anointing to go to the nations fall on them. It was like a whole nother wave of electricity coming through because it, it confirmed, like she had no idea, and it was like God was saying what was going on. I want to hit pause on the story. The Lord specifically told me to do this. So I've done it every service. I'm going to hit pause on the story because if I'm talking to the Jamie Stiefel before 2005, He had no grid or clue or understanding for that experience. So that Jamie sitting out there listening to the story would have been like, where's that in the Bible? That's not God. And uh, I could be religious, trust me. But to speak to that Jamie, whoever you are, to help you get a little understanding, I would like to just without camping out in it, quickly go through. Did you know people fell down in the presence of God all over the Bible, Old and New Testament? I would have said, oh, I don't think so. Yes. <laughs> First Kings chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, talks about the glory of the Lord came and the priest could not stand. If you're not standing, you have fallen over. Okay. <laughs> Second Chronicles 5, 11 through 14, the house of the Lord filled with his glory and the priest again could not stand. 
Ezekiel 128 talks about the glory of the Lord and he fell on his face. Daniel 8, 17 through 19, an angel came and Daniel fell on his face. Matthew 28, 4, which is... Um, I'll just read this one. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone. So here we're talking about the Easter story. It's even in there. And sat on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. I'm not done. John 18, 4 through 6. This is when Jesus is about to go on the cross, and Judas has brought the soldiers. The Bible says between 300, or the commentary I read said they think it was between 300 and 600 militia, soldiers coming with Judas to arrest Jesus. And right in this sacred story, Jesus looks at them and says, because he knew they were coming for him, and he looks at them, basically, I'm the one you're looking for, and then he says, I am he. Do you know what happened when he said, I am he? All 600 of the soldiers fell down. Acts 9, 3 through 4. Light shone around him and Saul fell to the ground. Acts 26, 13 through 14. Light from heaven came and all fell to the ground. Need I go on? So, Religious Jamie, whoever you are out there, you are free. Because it is in the Bible that when the glory of the Lord comes, you may fall down. Now, I'm not saying we need a bunch of courtesy falls and create it. We've all seen the fake, but there is an authentic. I didn't even know authentic, and that night you will never tell me I made that up. I didn't even know about falling down. Yet alone electricity vibrating through. And I didn't tell this to the other two services, but I have never had a drop of alcohol in my life, but I was spiritually drunk that night. I was walking like this. And I remember leaning over the piano laughing like, I don't even know if I could drive home. And It's not me. Now, I'm pulling all the drama into this, but here's the point. That night marked my life. It was the beginning of this destiny God was calling to, and I finally realized maybe why I was on this earth, that I could help change the world. But guess what? I, and that night I remember calling my mom, who was Nazarene, had no grid for it either, trying to explain what happened, and I can't even imagine what was going on in her head. But I was like, Mom, I got this anointing on me, and I'm going to be able to prophesy. And when I pray for people who are going to get healed, and I thought it was going to happen the next day. And the next day came, and it didn't happen. The next week came, and it was very little change in my outward life. My hunger was there. I was passionate for God. But while I was in this middle, it was just quiet. And weeks turned into months. This was 2005. Months turned into years. Let me tell you what else happens in the middle. Sometimes we try to make it happen. Well, I'm, and, and we also believe, well, the reason we try to make it happen is because we start to believe lies. Well, I must not be good enough. I must not be holy enough. So I went on a 21-day Daniel fast, only ate fruits and vegetables. I believe I'll get a breakthrough if I do this fast and sacrifice. The end of 21 days, only thing that happened is I had lost some weight. I didn't, nothing miraculous changed. So I decided, well, maybe I should do a 40-day fast. That's what Jesus did. So I did a 40, if you've never done a 40-day fast, let me tell you, it is quite an experience. And I lost 17 pounds and went on this fast, but it was all in striving. It was all in works. Here's the thing I love, though. And I'm not saying don't go on a fast. Go on them. I've done them since. But in that moment, my motive was to manufacture my destiny, to help God help me. 
And here's the cool thing. Even when we do things like that, God's still at work. He was still teaching me. This isn't about you and your sacrifice. This isn't about works or striving. So I wish I could have learned a different way than a 40-day fast. But I learned. Okay? I learned. I can't strive for this destiny I have to just be in peace and walk and, and bloom where I'm planted. Um, so that was what marked me. We've since gone on to have that word spoken over us. It seems like almost like every five years or something. Like it'll come, circle back around just when you think you forgot it. In fact, if you were here a month ago with Richard in this service, he's that guy in the purple shirt. Do you remember I was wearing a purple Riverhouse Kids shirt. Guy in the purple shirt. I was right back there where he is. God's taking you to the nations. Okay. So I forgot that. I didn't tell the other two services. You got bonus material. So, Benzin, I'm starting to go to say I have this big destiny I'm all excited about, and then life happens, and I'm starting to go through God's school. Uh, faith and teaching me things. And one of the things Jordan wanted me to share that I shared at the um, retreat, and he said, I want you to share that because millennials especially need to hear it. I have never had one. I'm a children's pastor. I've been a children's pastor for 18 years. I have never had one prophetic word about children's ministry spoken over me. Not one. So you may have a big destiny. You may have a word that God is speaking over you, and you may be doing something that has nothing to do with your destiny, but it has everything to do with your destiny because it's where God teaches you. How many know you will, pride will be busted out of you when you're working with kids because they could care less? You're not going to impress them. They don't care about anything fancy They just want you to love them. So I learned how to love in children's ministry. I learned how to walk in humility in children's ministry, serving the youngest of these for 18 years, and I'm still in it. So I'm telling you that feel like you need to be doing your thing right now. This message might sting a little. (laughs) Not to say you won't. But there is sometimes a process in the middle because I know David went through it. Abraham went through it. Joseph went through it. And I'm right in the middle of it. It'll been really fun to have traveled the world and come and tell you my story and my destiny and how God did it. But I think there's a beauty of telling you while I'm in the middle. This is who God says I am. This is what I'm currently doing. I'm right there with you. I've, I've mentored so many people, and I've even mentored people that have gone on and done things I wished I could have done. And I've had to watch and say, why, God? Why are they doing that? I'm their mentor. Why, are they, why is that gift an activation for them? Why are they doing Why did that door open? And, and I began to play the comparison game. Have you ever played that game, compared yourself to somebody else? Why? What's wrong with me? I'm not good enough, blah, blah, blah. God must not like me because he opened the door for them. And here's a word that freed me, and I'm going to hopefully free some of you. One lady who is the most prophetic lady I've ever met, I went to a conference. She didn't know me from Adam, and I walked up to her, and the first words out of her mouth, oh, you're a children's pastor. Oh, your grandpa was your first generation. Christian, and he's brought a spiritual blessing in your bloodline. I mean, she went on and read my mail. But here's the thing she said that really impressed me or stuck with me. She looked me right in the eyes, my voice just, my face quivering because I could just feel God's presence. And she said, you've asked the Lord for a lot, but he wants you to know fine wine takes the longest to ferment. I believe there's some fine wine in here. And you have permission to ferment. 
that freed me because then I didn't have to rush it. I didn't have to do two more 40-day fasts or anything to speed it up. I'm fermenting. And you may just be as well. So I'm going to just give you a couple more stories. I like to tell stories. Stories paint pictures of just how God moves in our life. Um, this, she got, I wasn't by myself that day. I was holding my wife's hand. She got that same word. She got that same destiny. And her journey's been a lot different than mine. And in one season, especially, we, she really needed, we needed her to have a job, but we knew part of our destiny was also raising a couple world changers sitting in the back. And that she needed to be home to raise them. So we needed jobs that could be when they were in school. She could, she could work, but she had to have the same days off as them. And that kind of thing. Well, that led to a job that she did not want, but we didn't really have an option. And I'm like, you need to do it. We, we don't have a choice. <laughs> so she became a lunch lady. And if you're a lunch lady, God bless you. That was not her calling. And that's why this story has a little more charm to it. Because she had to put on her little lunch lady hairnet and her outfit. I even have a picture of her, I think. Oh, wait, that's not her. <laughs> But actually, this is her, and we have this picture. We kind of joke with my parents and family. It's just kind of a running joke about when Kim was a lunch lady, and you can't see her little hairnet, but she's got it on, praise God. And uh, so she is in this season of we're going to change the world, and then God tells you you're going to be a lunch lady. You ever been a lunch lady in a season? You know what I mean? I'm not saying literally. Have you ever had a lunch? Some of you are in a lunch lady season. And God is trying to teach you some lessons when you're in that season. So Kim gets there, and she. one of the things we all can recognize is it'll burn off you real quick is pride. So she was in the school of humility. But she was also learning how to steward the person in front of you. You can't go reach the world and not ignore the one right in front of your face in the lunchroom kitchen. And so she had a coworker that was hard-hearted, calloused, mad at the world, had no care about God, and was rough. And God just kind of assigned Kim to Christina. And she would love on her day after day, compliment her. And then she would push the envelope farther and farther to the point where she finally said, Christina, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? Have you ever thought about that? And they, so they began to have these deep conversations, and Kim began to love Christina. At the end of this, the church, but able to switch jobs and was going to end up becoming an administrative assistant for me at the church. But So she put in her two weeks, and of all the lunch lady people she worked with, only one wrote her a letter. And it was Christina. And so this letter is nothing earth-shattering, but it's very simple. And it speaks a message to me, honestly. Dear Kim, I want you to know how much I appreciate all your help and hard work these past months. Thank you. Also, thank you for your concern for my soul. That one sentence alone is huge, if you knew Christina. That means I felt the love. That means you asked tough questions. You care about me. As you often tell others, you are destined for greatness. Trust me, I know these things. Good luck in whatever you do next year. Again, thank you for everything, Christina. Well, God was teaching Kim many lessons in that season, but number one is never forget the main thing, and that's souls. That if you're going to serve the nations, you need to serve the person right in front of you. And if you can't serve them because you're above them, you will never serve the nations. That's called the middle. Those are lessons we learn in the middle. We'll put on hairnets. We'll love the roughest person in the office. So God can teach us how to walk in our destiny. 
the middle. It's not something to run away from. It's something to just embrace and go through. You're growing. Your roots are getting deeper. Your character's developing. God's got you in the school of faith when you're in the middle. Well, there's a couple of things the Lord wanted me to talk about in this message. One was these big destiny words that are identity and why we're on earth and those promises. But he also wanted to break it down. And while we're also in the middle of all that, I've been in the middle of other things in my life. And you are too. Things we're believing for. Things we're promised. Situations. And after the last two services of prayer team, there's a lot of people in the middle and a lot of different things. So I just want to give language by sharing a story that just illustrates what the middle can be like when you're in the middle of a situation. (laughs) So... The story goes like this. We had two vehicles and we lived in Indiana. So Kim could go do her little lunch lady thing or whatever job she's working at that time. And I could work and she had something for the kids. Well, our one vehicle broke down. By broke down, I mean the tow truck had to come and take it to the junkyard. So we were down to one with no extra money. Children's pastor salary. She was part-time. And there was just like, what are we going to do? We don't have... and. Somebody at the church found out, and they said, well, we have an old van we don't even use. By old van, I mean a 1991 Chevrolet Astro minivan that had no air conditioning, and the windows would not roll down. Beautiful on a hot summer day. But they said, we'll let you use our van. Like, we're paying the insurance on it with all of our other vans, so no problem. You, you can use it as long as you want. So I was like, okay, praise God. And it was fine in the spring. The summer when it was humid, it was awful. But at the same time, I remember being thankful. I even remember cleaning it out and just saying, God, thank you for this fan. It's not exactly what I want, but thank you. But while we're driving it around, I know one thing that was burning in me was humility was continuing to be grown. <laughs> and pride was continuing to be burnt out. I will say the biggest thing with your destinies that God wants to burn out is pride. Pride will destroy us. Since you, Pride got Satan kicked out of heaven. And Lord, however many lessons you need to do, do it. So I drove around this van that was just a piece of junk, honestly. And over the course of that year, the piece of junk got a little junkier. And we would get to intersections and it would just die. And then you're hoping and praying that it'll start again. And then it'll start and we go, or sometimes people would have to jump us. It was just embarrassing to to go around. And then there's times where I needed a good vehicle because I had a ministry class out of town. So Kim would have the van and then I would always worry like, is it going to die when she's got the kids in it? So just wanted to paint the picture for where we're at. Kim goes, or I go to a conference and hear a guest speaker. Um, Never heard him before, and he was a powerhouse. I could sense God's presence on him, and he got to the offering time, and he said um, a statement, and I've heard this done wrongly, and people have taken it and done, misconstrued it, but I just want to say, in this moment, for me, it was real. He said, if you have a big need, you need to sow a big seed. In other words, give generously, and God will give generously back, and I know people have tried to pollute that and blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, in that moment, I knew I could feel the Holy Spirit saying, give me a big seed. It was so big that it was my entire savings, which was only $1,000. But he wanted my whole savings of $1,000. He wanted me to put in the ring and say, this is a seed for a vehicle that doesn't die, that has air conditioning, the windows rolled down. That when you go through the drive-thru, you don't have to open the car door and get out. And Everybody say humility. So Kim was not with me. So I said, I went home and I said, Kim, here's what I sensed. But I don't want to, you know, I don't know if, just, if this guy just charmed me into it or whatever. If you don't, it doesn't resonate with you, don't do it. But tonight I want you to take the checkbook I'll watch the kids, and if it resonates with you, write the check for $1,000 and put in the offering. So she went, felt the same thing I felt God was calling. She wrote the check. She came back home like, what, did you do it? Yes, I put the $1,000 in. 
Praise God, just like Abraham. Tomorrow I'm going to get my van. Because we like drive through breakthroughs. How many know tomorrow I did not get my van? Or the next month? In fact, two months later, my other existing vehicle, the transmission, went out for $1,250. Who do you think was on my shoulders then saying I was foolish? The devil. You're so foolish. I can't believe you did that. You put your family at jeopardy. Now you don't even have a V. All you have is the van. And he just beat the tar out of me and made me feel like I was this big. And I had to try to ignore that voice, stand on the promises. All those things were told. But I felt defeated and I was like, God, where are you? You told me to give this. Kim was in agreement. And the phone rings that week. And I still don't know how the man got my name, but he was a, a camp director for Indianapolis District. And he said, hey, somebody gave me your name. Our children's speaker just canceled. And we have camp in a week. And would you and your wife be the guest speakers? We'll pay you $1,250 if you'll speak that week. Praise God. <laughs> yes, we will. But guess what? I spoke, got the transmission fixed, but I, where was I still stuck? The middle. I don't have a vehicle still. I have my blazer fixed. But the beginning of where I dropped the seed, I was still in the middle. And so July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. March, the van started dying completely. We were going to have to give it back. It was just, it was too much of a risk to, dr to drive. And so we're at the very end of our, seems like the end of our rope with this whole thing. And it was one year later. Exact, almost, I it wouldn't have landed on Sunday on a Sunday, but it was like one year to the week from when we put our seed in. And Kim comes up after after church, and she comes to the children's church room, and everybody's gone, and I'm cleaning up the breakout kids store. We have a Riverhouse Kids one, and I was cleaning up the breakout kids store, and she comes in with this couple, and she's like smiling really big, so I was kind of intrigued, and she's like, they have something for you, and I said, what? And so the guy, uh, I don't have my keys with me, the guy gets out keys, and he throws them on the counter, and he said, these are your keys. And me and my naive, being naive, so, oh, those aren't my keys. <laughs> like, like I had lost my keys and he found them. I said, oh, those aren't my keys. And he said, no, those are your keys. And I said, what do you mean? He said, these are the keys to your van. We're giving you our van. The Lord told us to give you our van. The van had everything I had prayed for. I pray, and this is, I don't know, I just, just go believe God, okay? I prayed for leather seats. I prayed for heated seats. I prayed for a TV screen for my kids to be able to watch. I prayed back then in 2005 or whatever year it was, I prayed that it would have a cassette player because I had all these ministry people that I like to listen to their teaching, and that's right when cars were switching from cassettes to CDs. And so not many cars had cassettes anymore, and I told the Lord, I want something that plays cassettes and CDs. Did you know when I got in that van, it had every single thing on my list? Then she hands me $20 and says, go get it detailed. We'll pay for it. God keeps his promises. In the middle of it, I thought God abandoned me. I thought he hung me to dry. The middle's not always fun. I was getting learned the school of faith. I was learning about humility. I was learning who knows what that year. But if you will just keep believing and moving forward with the vision God's shown you for your life, miracles will happen. Destinies will come to life. The invisible will become visible. He is a good father. 
The only reason he didn't give it to me immediately is because he knew Jamie needed to learn a lot of lessons. Jamie didn't need to think that it was going to come like this every time he did something. Maybe, maybe God's saying that to you. Just maybe. Most of you know, well, I don't know, we've grown so fast. You may not know, and I'm not going to preach the sermon. I did it a year ago, but there's the story of me coming here. The Lord did specifically to say, there's some of you that are at this edge where it's like you're getting ready to step out in faith, but it doesn't make sense. And so you're looking around, and uh, this story is to just tell you it won't always make sense. So I, prior to coming here, I was at a large church in Phoenix, Arizona. Given Between a given Sunday, it was 3,500 to 4,000 people at our church. I had 700 kids in the children's ministry. And it was known. We had a big conference. People came in from all over the world, some of the biggest names. Even Joyce Meyer spoke. I mean, it was just everything that you would think with this destiny I had. Oh, this will be a platform that will take me to the world and the nations and you know how we are thinking in the natural and blah, blah, blah. And then God tells me through a vision to come to River House, to serve for a man I'd never met, to come to a city I'd never been to in my life until I rolled in here, to go to my house that I'd never seen before. <laughs> Except for a dream that he gave me. And I did all that. I took a $45,000 pay cut, lost my health insurance. Do you think it makes sense? At that time, Riverhouse was probably 150 people. My first Sunday, including preschool and nursery, there was eight kids. It did not make sense. But even just a year in, it makes perfect sense. I saw, I mean, the church just hired Allie. She's running Riverhouse Global. We got a trip to India coming up. And how many know we're not just going to take India by storm? God will end up opening more doors for this church and all the talent and giftings he's given. And you know what? I might be one of the people in the mix going on a trip helping change the world with an anointing I got back in 2005. Like, I can see it. I believe for it. And so today I'm even saying it. I'm going to be one of many of us to go change the world because that's what God's called me to do, and that's who I am. So it didn't make sense, but it makes perfect sense. So some of you have situations or circumstances or I don't even, can't put my finger on it, but it's like, Everyone around you may think you're crazy, and God says, get out of the boat. Step out. Trust me. Don't go back to the beginning. Keep going. This is just the middle. And when I stepped out in faith, guess who was there? The Lord. One of the things that also didn't make sense is we, we now had two vehicles, but I have two teenagers and we needed a third one because I knew Kim would be working, I would be working, and they needed a way to get to school. And I couldn't take them to school and get down here in time. I needed a vehicle. And I knew that going into accepting the position. And I just accepted the position, left it to God. I've already seen him give me a vehicle. And sure enough, last July, I came home from Michigan and our family reunion, and I pulled in the driveway, and there is a car with a bow on it for your kids. God told me to give this to you for your kids. So it may not make sense, but God doesn't always make sense. God wants us to trust you may go move somewhere and do something, and God could care less about where you're going. It's all about to see if you'll be obedient. Will you go there? And then there you may find out, I'm not supposed to be here, and he may take you somewhere else, but he's testing you in the middle to be obedient. It's more important to him that you're obedient than you're walking out 
having a ton of money. God just takes the things that you want. It's more important that you're obedient. And so God just takes us to this school of faith. I'm going to, for this service, I'm not going to do little eight things about Joseph. I feel like God just wants me to conclude this with, um, we're in the middle, and what is our responsibility? What do we do while we're here? Number one is we keep our focus on him and what he said about us. And it's kind of like when I was a kid, and I'll date myself, I'm 44, and when I grew up, we had records. Millennials don't even know what a record is. A record is this thing that would spin around a thing, and you put a little needle on it, and they would play a song. But here's the bad thing about records is often the needle, if you pulled it out quick, it would scratch the record. So then when you played the record, there would be popping, there would be scratching. Even though it was playing the song, there was a lot of distraction in it. And that can happen with our destiny that if you get so focused on all the pops and crackles Instead of the song God's singing over your life, you'll miss it. Don't focus on all the distractions or the van that keeps dying or whatever you're, you're the hairnet you're putting on uh, to be the lunch late. Don't focus on all your circumstances. Focus on God and declare your destiny. Own who you are on your way to going there. In 2 Samuel 23, 2, David says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me, and I spoke his word with my tongue. I spoke his word with my tongue. It's almost, I mean, to say it in a crowd's even more so, but to just walk around, I have a worldwide anointing. It almost feels foolish. Guess what? I have to say it anyway. You have to say yours anyway. I don't care what people think anymore. God's told us three or four different times, you will go to regions all throughout the world and bring revival. When you get there, you will bring revival and you will leave. You will not have to babysit it. The pastors of the area will take it on and you'll move on to the next place. That's in my DNA somewhere. Is it going on right now? No, I'm in there doing motions to kids' songs. <laughs> holding up all kinds of props. And you know what? I love it. I don't care. If I'm doing it another 20 years, I don't care. It's, I don't want to be out of the middle until he wants me out of the middle. And you need to be the same way. Don't rush it. That's what the message is tonight. Don't fight the middle. Don't think you're doing something wrong. Don't think God doesn't love you and he's picked on you and you're invisible. And all these lies that the enemy says, instead, with your eyes of faith, see the invisible until it becomes visible. Faith. Faith. God wants your faith to rise up. It's okay to be in the middle. You're in school. You're learning. You don't want to wear a graduation cap when you're in third grade. Is a third grader ready to go to college? No. Even though the third grader thinks they're ready, even though the third grader wishes they could go to college, are they ready? No. Even though the day after I got prayed over and electricity is going through my body the day after I thought I was ready to go to the nations. Was I ready? No way. Not even close. Not even close. And it doesn't mean every destiny is going to take 25 years. I'm not saying that, so please don't add to it. Some things come quick, but some things take time. And it's okay, whichever happens to you. And if the person right beside you gets it before you, we're going to cheer them on and not be jealous. Because we know God's burning that out of us. Oh, I'm in the school of jealousy and coveting what they have. Feels good to be in the middle. Because we're growing up. We're maturing. We're getting closer to our destiny. 
Um, this scripture I have, um, just kind of, I like it. I want to insert, you can, that can insert your own name. But, and so after Abraham patiently endured, he obtained what God had promised. Hebrews 6.15. And so after, insert your name, patiently endured, obtained what God had promised. Amen? How many are in the middle with me? Okay? Amen. We're in it together. We're in it together. And while we're in the middle, I want you to take the lead of your pastor who spoke his identity boldly and then went around the room and had us do it. I want you to speak your identity boldly. I want you to tell people who you are. I had people in the service prior. I've never told anyone this. God wants me to plant house churches. He was visiting from another church. I got to just speak into that. I don't know what your destinies are, and everybody's different, and it's okay. It doesn't matter. Some of you might be in the middle of believing for a spouse. Some of you might be believing for a child. Some of you might be believing for a prophetic word or dream God's given you. You might be believing for a prodigal who God's told you will come back home. You might be in the middle of an important decision for your destiny, but I want to encourage you today, lean into him. Lean into him. Keep believing. The delay is not his denial. You can trust him. That's my message. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I had a mixed bag of people doing different things for prayer time, and it's just fun. But I want to require this if you come forward. to This is what the Lord said for this service. If they come up for ministry before they get any prayer or anything, they have to tell you who they are. Who's their identity? Then I'll pray over you. <laughs> or they'll pray over you. I want you to step into it. This is what I feel like God's saying, or this is what I'm believing. This is who I am. And even though I'm in the middle, I've got faith. Would you agree with me? And we will agree with you. So you can come forward, and if you just want to say who you are and turn around and sit down, you just needed to do it, just to do it like I did tonight, and just declare who I am front of everyone, well, you can come and do that, and we'll just agree with you, and you can go back to your seat or on your way home. If you say, man, Pastor Jamie, I turned around, and I'm clear back at the beginning. I'd give it up. Tonight, will you agree with me to turn around and believe again? Then we will turn around and believe with you again. If you're praying for something, and you're in the middle, and you just need someone to be in agreement with you, because it's really hard. It's like the van breaking down right before I get the keys thrown at me to a new one. And you're really discouraged and you just want someone to agree with you for it to come. Come forward. So I'm going to have the ministry team. We can have music playing. And ministry team, you can come forward. I'm just going to say a prayer. And then when I say amen, the lights will go down. If you, you're free to go. Um, will officially be done. If you need prayer, come forward. Just know you're going to be telling us your ministry team, not one prayer till they say their identity. Okay? Not one prayer. Say who you are, and we'll pray. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good. And even when we think you're bad, you're good. You're at work in our lives. You're with us all the way through the middle. You teach us, you grow us, you mature us, and we just thank you tonight for the middle. We thank you that you don't put us out where we, we shouldn't be because we don't have the character to keep us there or it would destroy us, but you keep us in the middle until we're ready. And tonight we just want to say thank you. We don't want to rush. We want to be in the middle till you say we're ready for our destinies. We will not compare ourselves. We will not get stagnant. We will continue to believe you for our destiny. We will continue to press in and press forward and lean into you with the joy of the Lord on our face. And we will be good stewards of the one right in front of us. We'll be faithful. Joseph was faithful 
in the jail. He was faithful in Potiphar's house. We want to be faithful. We want to be good stewards so that we can go from the prison to the palace of our destinies. God, I pray over Riverhouse that as a corporate body, we will step into our identities. We will hide no more. We will rise up and be the men and women of God you've called us to be. To change the world, to change the lunchroom. We don't care where you place us, God, but we step up and step into our identity. Awaken us, turn us. If any of us have turned around and tried to retreat back to the beginning, tonight we just speak over Riverhouse and say, turn around and walk towards the promise. Believe again. In Jesus' name, amen.